Black Velvet is proud to sponsor Creative Habits Podcast. Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products, handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet. Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? This is Philip from Creative Habits Podcast. Um, I just want to thank this artist and this educator and this author for joining us today, um, Mr. Albert Phillips Jr. Um, Albert was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, received uh, primary education in Baltimore City Public School System. He earned an Associates of Arts in General Studies from Baltimore Community College a Bachelor's of Science in Print Journalism from Morgan State University, and a Master's of Science in Education from John Hopkins uh, University. A very established brother. Um, he is a, the CEO and founder of Free Black Mind Educational Group, a social enterprise startup that provides digital and print resources designed to empower and educate Black youth. Um, his first self-published self book, Y'all Hiring, The Black Teen Guide to Navigating Employment, was released in October 2020. Uh, and so much more accolades, so much more accolades. How are you doing today, my brother? I'm blessed, King. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate the invitation to be here with you today. Perfect. So um, tell me a little bit more about yourself and um, what was it like? growing up in Baltimore? Yeah, so, I mean, Baltimore City is, is the stomping ground. It's, it's you know, it, it taught me a lot both in and out of the classroom. I feel like I learned even more, you know, outside of some of those institutions that you mentioned, just living here, just being here, um, mm. connecting with people, um, talking with my elders, um, building with different brothers and sisters in the community. And so just 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 being here and being a part of this city um, has truly changed me and empowered me to continue to be a change agent. Um, there's a lot of pain and strife in the city. And so I feel that, I feel like I internalize that in a lot of ways, but also try to provide hope to a lot of people, particularly young people, um, because I feel like, you know, our city has not invested in them enough and um, our country and our world and it has not invested in them enough. And so, I want to be able to um, 
you know, teach lessons, provide inspiration, provide resources, and, and really just invest in my community because I'm only here for a finite amount of time, you know, in the physical at least. And so I want to be able to um, take advantage of what I can do and, and to put, put in others what others have put in me. Uh, so that's something that I've made, you know, uh, pretty much my life mission beyond just what I'm getting paid to do. It's, it's a lot of stuff that's not on paper that I do and I support with that I'm happy to do um, because it just empowers me. So just a man of the people, to be honest with you, and um, something that I, I strive to continue to get better at each day. I could dig that. Um, me being from D.C., there's a lot of like similarities since we're like close proximity and what I love about Baltimore is there's so much beauty in the city. You know, Baltimore is full of prideful, you know, black and brown people. Um, the art is amazing uh, in the art district, as well as, you know, there's a lot of educated people. My favorite place is uh, everyone's place, the bookstore. Yeah. Like uh, every time I go to Baltimore, I gotta stop there and grab a few books, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, even though there is a lot of pain in the city, there there's a lot of beauty in the city as well. Absolutely, and shout out to everyone's place. Um, shout out to Brother Nati, the owner, who's been there since the beginning of time. I feel like uh, my book, Y'all Hiring, is actually available there. He's, he was one of the local um, bookstores that was willing to give me a chance and give me an opportunity. And he has just, that, that institution has been a beacon of light in our community for a number of years. Um, the oldest black bookstore that's still in the city. Right. It's really just like a mecca in the community. So I appreciate you for shouting them out. Yeah, man. Um, come to think about it, that's like, the, we used to have a lot down here in the city. I think we still do got one by Howard, but um, everyone's place is like one of the last black bookstores, you know, in this area. For sure, for sure. It's definitely a, a, a mecca for real in the city. Anybody who come in, uh, I mean, and, and I love that it's like, it's still, you know, adjacent to the hood. So you got to go, mm-hmm. you got to come where we at. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't just go to Barnes and Noble and, you know, these nice and, and beautiful parts of the city, quote unquote. But we want to bring you to, to where the real people are. So I love everyone's place for being there. How important well, let me, let me bring it back. When I was younger, going into the school system, I very rarely seen black and brown people, especially black men as educators in the school system. Um, the first time I actually seen a black educator was in high school. Everything else was like white male or mainly white female dominated. Um, how important is being a black educator in Baltimore or um, just in general? It's extremely important. Um, only 2% of, of public school um, educators are black men. And so there's a there's a huge disparity, there's a huge need. Um, and I think that number is so low due to a variety of reasons. Uh, one, I think our perspectives are not um, upheld enough and not respected enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and the culture of the school buildings that a lot of us are in are not um, supportive enough of, of how we need to teach and how we show up and do the work and how we want to put in our ideas, our dreams, you know, our desires into the into the curriculum, into other facets of education. So I think that's a piece of it. Um, I think the pay in education 
Um, it can also be a struggle and a hindrance for folks as well. Um, and I think just a lack of community in a lot of ways. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when, you, when you're a Black man, particularly in a school, you feel sort of outcasted. You feel like you're on your own because you don't have folks around in a building who you can talk to about you know, your struggles and, and things that uh, just are culturally aligned to who you are. Um, it's difficult to have some of those conversations. And so it's, it's a lot that goes into that. But Black, black men in education have been a significant force in my life, um, particularly uh, Mr. Sai, my sixth grade social studies teacher. I still talk to him, you know, off and on now, you know, he was my educator about 20 years ago now, right? Mm-hmm. But he, he had such a strong impact that we remain connected. And then um, Mr., what well, we call him Baba Girls, and 10th, I think he was my 10th grade U.S. history teacher at Dunbar. I still connect with him every now and again. And um, we have all types of conversations. He told me he still got an essay that I, I got to check out when I was in his class. And I wrote about um, uh, the the conflicts between W.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. Mm. I'm just so curious, like, like, how did I write that back then? What, what my thoughts were? So eventually I got to connect with him to be able to check that out. But not even just men. Um, women have been... Um, you know, particularly Black women have been such such strong forces as well. Um, Miss, well, Miss Holloway now, because she got married. She was my ninth grade English teacher. Um, and she, well, I, I'm not going to say she failed me. I failed myself um, my first semester in her class because I just wasn't taking it seriously. But, you know, she continued to help coach me to get better um, as a writer and as a reader and many other things. And then, you know, post-secondary, I had brilliant professors um, in, in Morgan State and UCCC, you know, so educators have, have, have played a strong role in my life. My dad was, a, was an educator as well. He taught at, um, at Morgan State, he taught at BCCC, uh, he taught at Sojourner Douglas College before they closed down. So education has been a huge part of the family and it's something that, you know, we, we hold in high regard we know that you know we as black people are, are extremely educated you know we, we invented things we created mm-hmm. things we're innovators and so we embrace that mindset when we when we think about education it's not just like words on a page or numbers but this these are tools that we can use um, to help us out in our, in our daily lives so education is super important man. i absolutely agree um there's a rich history in your city, right? Um, I think the first black lawyer, actual black lawyer in the 1800s was from Baltimore. I forget what his name was, but is there any misunderstanding or misinterpretations uh, that people like put out, put on a city that does not live in a city? Um, I mean, I think, I think people think that, uh, People who live in a city don't care about the city. Mm. They don't value the community. Um, but I just think that's untrue. I think that, you know, there has been a huge amount of disinvestment into uh, citizens of the city. Mm. And folks who, you know, don't feel a true sense of connection and ownership with things, um, you know, they, they show that in different ways. So people will say, like, why, you know, why would you litter? Right, like why would you, this is a small example, why would you litter, why would you trash your own community, different things like that? And I'm like, man, how many, how many of these houses do we own? You know, like what, what do we really have stake in? 
Um, and, you know, on top of that, you know, being brutalized by the police, there have been so many things in so many ways that I feel like people have been disinvested into. But there's a still a tremendous amount of pride that people have for the city. I remember as a child having to scrub those marble steps in the city when I was young. Um, me and my friends used to just get them real dirty, juice stains and all of that. And my pops made me, you know, go out there with the Ajax and a scrub brush to clean it up. And so I think um, it's it's going to take a a lot of effort, a lot of energy in order to change some of the ills in the city. But I think there, there are different organizations and different people who, who really care and really, really do the work. And so I would say that, you know, we, we love the city, we care about the city, uh, but sometimes it's hard, you know, sometimes it's hard when you hear about um, a 13-year-old girl getting, getting shot and killed at a rec center, um, a 59-year-old woman, clergy member getting killed in the church. Those things are hard, but they, they, they are also the result of damaged people and people who have, um, you know, obviously they're out of their mind that are thinking clearly. And mm-hmm. so they need a lot of support. And I think our city needs a whole lot of support. And um, hopefully folks continue to step up and do the work. I can agree. Um, I used to work um, for this school photography uh, company who you mostly did like outside of Baltimore City, you know what I mean? Like the counties and whatever. And I had a few schools inside of the city and a few uh, schools in the county. And I can notice the like discrepancy of um, the inner city uh, schools were old, they weren't kept up, you know what I mean? But the county schools have brand new everything, you know, brand new schools like glass windows like every like they put millions of dollars in these schools right but what i noticed was that the children in the inner city schools had a lot more respect for authority and and their teachers rather than the schools that had a whole bunch of money put inside the schools and whatnot yeah that's that's real i mean when i speak about disinvestment that's another part of what i mean you know our schools are I mean, there's there's quite a few schools opening now that were a part of the 21st century plan by the educational system to to um, either rehab or build new schools for our students. But to me, a lot of it comes way too late. You know, mm-hmm. like um, we've been dealing with buildings that been pretty much the same condition since the 60s and the 70s. You know, but we supposed to compete with all these other schools who, who have all this all of this technology. I remember being um, a sixth grade student. Was it six? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was. It was. Uh, no, no, no. It was six. I was transferring to another school, and my and my and my family was going around. We were looking at different schools that I could possibly attend, and um, I ended up going to this private school. I didn't attend. I mean, I shadowed there one day. There's a private school called the Park School, and it was just crazy how much they had. I mean. I, I felt like I was in college, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like they had, they had the computers already. They had um, healthy lunches. Like mm-hmm. they had um, classrooms that were technologically advanced. They had the open areas where they can get natural sunlight. It just was all of these things that I'm like, man, I didn't even know this existed. You know, sometimes my, my father told me that when he was young, he didn't know he was living in poverty until he went into a different community. 
and he saw how they were living because he thought everybody looked like this. Like everybody just kind of struggled and, you know, scraped and survived, but that's not the reality of everybody. And I think it's unfortunate that our children, you know, have to continue to uh, succumb to these inequities. But like I said, you know, we're going to keep the fight going and continue to try to change things. Absolutely. And um, I had this, this, this favorite saying, um, you can't make diamonds without pressure. You know what I mean? Like every, every inner city in America has created something great. Like DC, we have Marvin Gaye or Go-Go. You know what I mean? Like black people in these inner cities are the heartbeat of America. Everything that we do and we create, whether it be music, lingo, you know, pretty much everything, America thrives from it. You know what I mean? Like these young folks with TikTok, they got black folks who create dances on TikTok and everybody copies it. You know what I mean? So I think it does suck, but us as black people are the most resilient and creative and artistic people in America. That's just my opinion. I agree with that. Um, what made you go into education? Uh, so it, it really was, it really was, it allowed me to combine two passions. Uh, one was youth development and the other one was writing. Um, and so I switched more into like a youth development focus. Actually, after I graduated from Morgan State, um, I went there for, for journalism and I had offers to, to write for different publications. I decided to not take those offers to freelance. Um, and then I ended up working for like the YMCA and um, the Choice Program and a number of different nonprofits working with young people. And or even when I was at Morgan, they had a Center for Academic Success and Achievement, which was um, an opportunity for incoming students whose grades wasn't up to par. Um, they could go through this program and, and get their grades right, and then they would be able to enter as freshmen. And so um, all of those experiences working with young people were things that I really enjoyed. And then the writing piece came from journalism, but it also came from even in high school. I love writing. I was in uh, AP writing, I mean, AP English class. And um, even before that, as a, as a middle school student, I would write poems and things. I used to be in a rap group. And mm -hmm. so all of these all of these different passions, I was like, I can kind of combine them in a way in a career. And I was in a classroom for a number of years as a teacher, a few years as a teacher, as a dean, as a paraprofessional. So I had, you know, probably around like four or five years, like working directly um, in the classroom or in the school building. Uh, I still work full time for the school system, but it's not in a classroom. It's a different capacity. But, um, you know, and, and just understanding, Malcolm X said, you know, education is our passport to the future. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's extremely important to be knowledgeable, to be up on things, um, to know how to read, to know. I mean, these, these are basic things to some of us, but there's so many people who still struggle reading, right? They still struggle with writing. And, you know, we know that we know that folks who struggle with these things can be, can be taken advantage of, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I really just see it as a um, as a tool that, that we should certainly have. And, um, you know, they said, what's the other quote? Um, the tongue is mightier than the sword, you know, mm -hmm. so being able to articulate yourself and explain and, and to think critically. Um, all of that is education to me. It's a tool of empowerment. 
And so all of those things kind of combined made me want to enter that profession. So storytelling and writing is one of the oldest art forms since the beginning of time, since we've been in Africa, right? Um, what drives you to create um, a book called Y'all Hiring? Like what, I know there's, I know Baltimore, right? There's a lot of like resilience within people with, a lot of people have the hustler mentality out there, whether it's like the squeegee kids, you know what I mean? Like what influenced you to help the youth figure out the, 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 the career field, how to, you know, get hired by different companies and stuff. Yeah. So the, the book is really, uh, I feel like it's me having a conversation with my young brothers and sisters. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, it's multifaceted. Uh, one part of it is uh, really an underlying theme of it is empowerment. Um, a lot of workforce development materials are, in my opinion, kind of demoralizing. They're boring. They're not culturally relevant. Um, and they're just telling kids, hey, get your act together so you can get a job. Mm -hmm. The end. And I feel like it's so much more to it than that. And I feel like it's, it's so much uh, more to the conversation that has been under talked about. And so in the book, I attempt to break it down in three different phases. Um, before the job, on a job, and while transitioning to another job. I feel like most of us are in one of these phases if, if we are working, you know, or, uh, you know, if we, even if we are an entrepreneur, a lot of us still have jobs, right? And so it's, it's you're in these different phases. But I wanted to make it simple. I wanted to make it short. I wanted to make it to the point. I wanted to make the, the tips and the information that I was providing actionable. Um, I didn't want to make it this long, drawn out, boring book um, that's just like thrown in a corner. Um, and so I was very intentional about creating it and it being my first book, um, you know, making sure that it was something of quality. Of course, every time I go back and look at it, I'm like, ah, I wish I would have changed that. Or maybe I should have added on more there. I think a lot of artists do that. I've heard even recorded artists be like, man, if I can go back to my first album and, and tweak this or change that. But, you know, that's a part of the process. And I already have plans for um, another edition that's probably going to come out in three or four years down the line. Mm -hmm. We'll add in probably um, three or four chapters and expand on some other things. But the book, honestly, is, is, a, is a tool and a resource and a framework to help, I help young people understand that Employment is more than just about getting a bag, but it's about how do you make the, the most out of opportunities? How do you advocate for yourself? We mm -hmm. deal with stress, we deal with discrimination in the workplace. How do, you, how do you use your voice in order to push back and challenge those things? How do you put people on? Um, how do you level up? So jobs, sometimes they offer scholarships and um, you know different discounts on different things and travel opportunities. How do you as a young employee start to have conversations about taking advantage of these opportunities? Mm. Um, I mean, even if you're working at McDonald's, McDonald's got scholarship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not encouraging nobody to go and <laughs> sign up there, but like, but you know, our jobs, man, they they beat us up, they tear us down, you know, time and time again. And so now I think it's it's time for young, 
you know, workers to be empowered and educated about how do they stand up? How do they deal with these things? How do they overcome them? And how do you really use these things as opportunities to maybe start your own business or maybe do something else? How do you earn certifications in the workplace? All these different topics. And then finally, another part of it is me telling my own kind of teenage employment journey. So you'll kind of walk with me and, and, and see what things that I've dealt with, things that I feel like I did well, things that I'm like, I messed that up. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I tell real stories. I tell Baltimore stories throughout the book. And it's, it just was a beautiful experience. Um, the paperback is out now. Um, along with the ebook and the audio book and the workbook will be out uh, before the end of next year. That's sweet. That's beautiful. Um, the only thing I didn't, I disliked about my education was they never really taught like real life situation, like credit, taxes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They taught us like how to write letters and stuff like that. But um, how important is teaching like real life situations to the youth, you know? So they're not just pushed out in the world trying to figure it out themselves. Listen, man, that's that's spot on. You know, I think a lot of our education is outdated. Uh, I mean, education was established, um, a lot of it in this country, at least, you know, hundreds of years ago during the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things during that time were just preparing people to get jobs and go to work, right? And so mm-hmm. it I feel like it's we still kind of we have these new thoughts. Everybody's talking about equity and all of these new things that they want to change, but we are still doing things in this old school kind of fashion. And so I think public education needs to catch up to current times and really think about how to advance our students. And that includes what you mentioned, like we need to talk about real things. So even in a book, there's a chapter on um, managing workplace stress where I'm talking about yoga and aromatherapy and, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where, you, where else do you see that in an employment book? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that don't exist. And so I tried to infuse topics that were um, that were different, that were needed, um, and that I feel like our young people could resonate with. And even if some of, some of it is like things that they haven't thought of or that they haven't heard about, at least they'll be able to grapple with the information, you know, based upon seeing it and receiving it. And everything may not be applicable to them. Some stuff they might be like, eh, I ain't doing that. I don't really, I'm not really rocking with that, but maybe some other stuff it is, you know? So yeah. that's that's how I pitched it. I appreciate that. Um, being in the work field myself, um, I think it's important for us, you know, to take time to ourselves, whether it be a vacation or, you know, yoga, aromatherapy, um, a lot of us are afraid to take time off for ourselves because we, I think that we are afraid that we might lose our spot or we might get fired when we got other countries who are able to like vacation for two or three months. You know what I mean? Um, if a lady gets pregnant here, she only has six weeks. Right. before she goes back to work, you know what I mean? Like, how how do you think we can, um, I guess, relax a little bit and take time for ourselves? I think you have to be intentional about it. Um, you have to have boundaries. You know, I feel like some jobs will work you damn near to death if you allow them to. 
And I think it's also important for us to find joy in things outside of work. Um, and I, I know we we always pitch this idea of like, like the goal in life is just to get a career, you know what I'm saying? Like in work, like, all right, once a kid graduates from high school, it's like, all right, where you gonna work? What you gonna do? You know, you wanna work college, you wanna get a job, like, mm-hmm. but it's like, I think life is deeper than that. And, um, you know, we, we just can't let our, our employers control us and our time and, and what we really value, right? And so I'm always telling people, if you got PTO, take that PTO. Don't feel bad about it. I've known people who literally came to work with the flu and other ailments because they want to finish a project or they want to get something done and things like that. I'm like, yo, not only are you potentially getting other people sick, mm-hmm. but you're not even taking care of yourself because you're putting the values of your job above who you are as a person. And so I think just being mindful, being intentional about you know, your, your well-being and, and knowing that you are more than just your job. You know, you, you are valuable to yourself, to your friends, to your family. If you got children, your children need you. Um, and, 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 you know, I know it's not always easy to do. You know, I think a lot of our jobs put a lot of pressure on us. But um, I think just having that intention is at least a starting point to, to getting things right. I can dig that. Um, who is the most influential person in your life like who what who did you look up to growing up uh, my father that's easy mm-hmm. I mean, uh, just from from the jump you know seeing his his kind of life trajectory um from being in the streets and getting locked up to kind of reshaping himself and his image and, and going to school and um raising me you know he's, he's been raising me since I was about seven years old. Um, and so it, it's been beautiful to be able to have a direct um, connection. And, and, and we got the same name, you know what I'm saying? He gave me his name, there's power in that. And uh, I know a lot of people don't, you know, their father's not around for whatever reason, or, or maybe they just don't have that sort of relationship with their father. But I tell people all the time, you know, me and my father don't always get along and things ain't always been super easy. But um, I would certainly not be the man I am today without him and his guidance, and his wisdom, and um, just just being able. To, you know, he don't even have to say a lot, but what he does say is is typically profound. And he he invests in his sacrifice a lot uh, for me, and um, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I kind of went in his footsteps. You know, he went to Morgan State, I went to Morgan State. Uh, he went to B Triple C, I went to B Triple C. You know, he became a, a therapist and a social worker. And, you know, I went kind of like the education route, but I feel like sometimes, you know, I am a therapist and social worker working with, with different folks. So uh, my father is definitely the top guy and the top inspiration. And, um, you know, I continue to 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 use him and, and, and learn from him as time goes on. I can dig that. That's love. Um... My lady and I just had our kid well, about two years ago, right? And congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I didn't really have that growing up. You know what I mean? If I did, it was mostly like mentors. You know, I was in like martial arts when I was a kid. And those were like those father figures or little league. You know what I mean? But 
it's all a learning experience. You know what I mean? Nobody's perfect. But as long as me being a father, I have the best intentions trying to, you know, guide him and 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 be that example. That's that's all I want in life. You know what I mean? Um my my child is is super smart, you know what I mean? Like he's two years old, he can already count to 50. He knows his ABCs front and back, you know what I mean? Like he can read a little bit, he's getting it. And um, we put him in like an African-based school called Dacian House, just to like teach him about himself, give him a, a pride and sense of self. And I think it's important for kids in inner cities or outside of cities to just at least have role models and people that's that they can look up to that kind of looks like them that can relate to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's fortunately, you know, I had a lot of mentors and things coming up. You know, my again, I said my, my apostles the top guy, but um I was a part of an organization called Soul Rivers Nation, uh, which was a local pan-African organization, and we did a lot of community organizing. Um you know, and even being a part of, um, well, I was loosely a part of the Algebra Project. I was never officially a member, but they were a youth uh, kind of advocacy organization. Um, that was when I was in high school and um, being a part of uh, Agbe and Conquering, which is a, um, this is an African brotherhood here in the city. Like all of those things and, and all of those situations just put me where I am today. You know, they provided a foundation me to know that, you know, I can do whatever I want to do, you know, as, as far as my potential. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest obstacle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not right. even going to let nothing else tear me down or break me down because they don't have the power to do that, you know? And it, but it took a while to develop that mindset. But I'm so blessed to have folks around me to help, um, you know, pour into that and nurture that. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's how I'm moving. Mm. What's your biggest failure, and what did you learn from that? That's a that's a great question. Um, my biggest failure, I think, I think it would have to be. And I don't even know if this is a failure or not, quote unquote. But I think, um, I think, not starting certain things early. Like every every idea that I have, I mean, I think sometimes stuff is like divine timing, right? I think yeah. I believe in that. But I also feel like I I had a lot of gifts and talents that maybe earlier years I wasn't like pushing enough. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't um I wasn't actual actualizing my dreams enough, you know. And so I'm always telling young kids like, yo. The time is now, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not, you're not just the future, you also are the now. Mm-hmm. And so if you got a skill, if you got a passion, if you got a um a yearning to do something, like jump out there, like let's start it. You know what I'm saying? And and I always tell them, you know, don't tell me what you want to do unless you're serious, because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna support you <laughs> and I'm gonna mm-hmm. put you either in rooms with people, I'm gonna send a resource your way. I'm a, I might even send you a couple of dollars. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to really support you. So don't play. You know what I mean? Because then I'm going to come back and say, all right, what's the progress? Can you help me? You know? And so um, I, I feel like with writing, I could have gotten started earlier with, with even books. 
Um, I had an apparel company as well mm-hmm. that might come back, Rebellious Black Soul, but... I wanted to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It might come back, but I feel like I could have started that, like, undergrad at Morgan, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mm-hmm. But I just, you know, again, I, it's that balance of, like, believing in, like, all right, it's a certain time and there's a certain reason why you started where you started at, but I always think back, like, man, like, I had the connections, I had this, I had that. So, I, again, I don't know if that's quote-unquote a failure, but I, I do feel like um, now that I know that, I'm like, yeah, you want to still plan and you want to be orchestrated with how you move. You don't just want to be doing a bunch of stuff. But um, making sure that you are putting out, you know, what your dreams are, for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's one of my... I don't, I don't think it's a failure. I think it's like, you learn from that, you know what I mean? Like one of my biggest things is procrastination and I get stuck in my head and you and I know that everything around us is created in the mind first. So if you doubt yourself, if you are feeling depressed or about your situation or what have you, it all starts in the mind. And it's just as simple as changing your thoughts about it. You know, put that in, in action in your mind first and everything else will follow. Yep. That's right. Um, if you could give any advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? Uh, I mean, similar to what I just said, like mm. um, just hitting hitting that ignite button, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, like, like really push, like really set it off, you know what I mean? In a way that it's in your mind because it's going to work, you know, it's going to work. And, um, and you have people, resources, opportunities around you to help you make it work. Mm-hmm. And so just, just don't be, um, don't be so hesitant to not get started because you like, you're so unsure and you, you know, you, you kind of shy so you don't want to even ask people certain things and just all of that. But like, yo, really, it, it really, it's, it's really going to work. You know what I'm saying? And it's supposed to work. But it ain't gonna work unless you hit that ignite button. So that's what I would tell my my younger self. Um, real quick though, I, I still I remember you, uh, we were talking about earlier uh, your apparel, and I still have one of your shirts in the closet right uh, now. Like I throw that on every now and then. Like, um, what made you want to start a, a apparel company, and um, how is it going now? Yeah, so. The, the apparel company really came, it, it came in phases. Uh, one phase of it, because it used to have a whole different name called Freedom Apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up changing the name because there was another clothing line that was too similar, like too close to the name of mine. I didn't do enough research prior to picking that name. And so I was like, I don't want nobody to be trying to Google me and this other clothing line keep popping up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we're going to do that. Um, and then I also wanted something that was simpler to explain to people and um, was just like quickly internalized by folks. I feel like Freedom Apparel, like people got it, but I, I had like certain letters was uppercase, certain letters was lowercase because they all had these meetings. And, you know, I just wanted something simpler. And so I changed the name uh, after a few, after probably one or two years to Rebellious Black Soul, which was much more easily digestible for folks and straight to the point. And um, the inspiration came out of me, you know, seeing the the kind of trend of apparel um, 
I think it's still trendy now, but I feel like it was less of these sorts of quote unquote socially conscious brands years ago when, when I was when I was just starting. And um, I had familiarity with e-commerce already. And so even before people knew me in the city, I had you know my website, everything laid out real dope. Um, and I also wanted to just like infuse all of these things that I was learning. You know what I'm saying? I, I was a kid in high school wearing Martin's Garvey shirts and WB mm-hmm. shirts and kids being like, yo, what are you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what you wearing, yo? Because it wasn't like, it wasn't popular. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, come out with Max. You know what I mean? Like, it was that type of vibe. But that's what I was on. But I, I love those shirts, but I, I didn't feel like it was edgy and creative enough. And so I wanted to be able to put my own kind of flair. This is one of my old shirts right here. Mm-hmm. Um, a reverse racist is a freedom fighter. Um, and this was actually one of the original joints, right? It say freedom of power right at the, right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So just um, being able to be creative, it gave me that outlet. Um, I wanted to start a business. And I think that that kind of helped me actualize some of that. <clears throat> one of my friends, uh, Ryan, he was uh, my main graphic designer for a while. And so it, it even helped us build a partnership and being able to you know push our product and um, just seeing the demand for it. Like people, you know, you, you mentioned you got a shirt. I got people all the time. It's like, yo, what's when you coming back? You know what I mean? So I think it's timing. Um, the, the, the book took over a lot of that energy, mm-hmm. a lot of that time. And so, um, but I do have some ideas around some t-shirts related to the book that I might come out with. Um, and then eventually, like I said, I want to relaunch the clothing brand, but the, the clothing brand really takes a team. You know, I think at the time that I was doing it, it was me and, you know, one other person primarily. <laughs> and I think if we would have had like two or three more people, like one person, look, you're the social media manager, the next person you mm-hmm. working with, um, you working with vendors, you know, so we, we can be able to vend at different places, not even vend, but we can be able to put our products in different stores. Another person is finding us vending opportunities. Another person is working on the website. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like one or two of us trying to do everything. And so I think um, having that team approach. And um, so, yeah, like I said, man, the, the, the brand will be back for sure. And I'll make sure I let you know when we launch. Sweet, sweet. All right. Um, this is the end of the podcast. But at the end of the po- every podcast, we like to play a quick game. Uh, you down for it? It's called This or That. Okay. Let's get it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. You can only choose one answer. And the whole world depends on this answer. So <laughs> answer correctly, right? Okay. Um, pancakes or waffles? Hmm. I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with waffles, even though I just made some pancakes this morning. It was it was banging. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with waffles. Uh, soft shell crabs or blue crabs? Oh, blue crabs! I don't even think I had a soft shell crab. I don't, <laughs> one. I don't need one. All right, um, kittens or puppies? You know, more recently I've been on cats more. Man, I got a cat now, mm. and I love my cat. I'm hoping that he don't hear me say this. Well, I'm gonna have to go with puppies. Still, <laughs> like, does is still number one, but cats they 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 rose up a lot in the rankings for sure. Mm. Um, being an author or creating your own clothing. What's what's the 
Being an author, like writing a book or creating your own clothing, which one do you prefer? Um, I think definitely an author. You know, I think mm. um, it, it may lend to an even deeper career change in a few years uh, beyond just writing books, but maybe even uh, being a professional college, you know, so I think the author piece is opening up some, some different doors. Sweet. I don't know if you like into sports, but um, the Ravens or the Orioles? Oh, that's easy. I don't even, I don't even like baseball like that. <laughs> so it got to be the Ravens. Got to be the Ravens. I like that. Um, well, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, speak with me about your journey as an educator, as an author, as a person who makes apparel. Um, how can people get in contact with you and maybe purchase a book or uh, some clothing in the future? For sure. So I made it real easy. Um, IG hit me at the ambitious black guy. Um, you can go to my website, albertphillipsjr.com. If you want to grab the book, um, even for yourself or for a young teen in your community, go to yallhiring.com. Super easy. And um, I'll autograph your book and ship it right out to you. Let's stay connected. Perfect, perfect. And um, I want to thank you again. Hopefully we can, you know, connect and, you know, chop it up again in person when it, everything calms down. And um, thank you again, brother. Thank you. I appreciate your platform and I look forward to sharing it out with the world. Absolutely.